Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Have you heard the... Have you heard that story about the <laughs> about the plane crash in like some jungle and there were like four kids survived for like 40 days? And then there's a story, what was the other one? This woman in a in a casket and she like comes back to life, although was never probably was never dead, but the hospital said she was dead. And they were at her wake and she starts knocking from the inside of the casket. Just such bizarre stories. Which, by the way, like, if you if you are ever falsely pronounced dead, I think you would want to probably wake up earlier rather than later, you know? It does make me wonder how many people that hospital sent, yeah, uh-huh, that didn't wake up during their, their wake. It did remind me, though, that story did remind me, I mean, good for her that she, you know, that she got out of the casket. But it did remind me of the, the famous uh, documentary uh, when they were trying to figure out who shot Monty Burns, the Simpsons documentary. He was rushed to a nearby hospital yeah. where he was pronounced dead. He was then transferred to a better hospital where doctors upgraded his condition to alive. Yeah. The seminal moment really worked out for him. Um, all right. So yesterday I gave you the uh, the, the play-by-play in in gripping detail of uh, the journey of one uh, Donald J. Trump to a courthouse in Miami. I'm kidding. I did not do that. Um, I just, I let you know there were a bunch of people there. So yes, he went in, he got processed. They did the uh, Mary Arraignment, I think is what they called it. Um, There were people, I got a message from a buddy of mine. Uh, He said he was, he had just flown in and he landed in, uh, I think he landed in Miami. And he said there were protesters at the airport that were welcoming people on the international flights saying, there's no reason for you to be afraid anymore. Donald Trump has been imprisoned or something. Like just totally trolling, right? So let's get into some of the details. I went over the, uh, the indictment the other day. And again, like, I don't know who to really trust here, because on the one hand, you're asking me to trust uh, federal law enforcement and federal uh, attorneys, and they have not they have not done themselves any favor in the reputation and credibility departments, you know. So even after reading them, I still am wary because I don't know what I don't know, as Donald Rumsfeld would say, the unknown unknowns, right? But I I am aware of so one of the things one of the things that confounds me is the confidence with which people speak on things that they don't know anything about. Yes, Twitter is like where everyone lives. Yes, but uh, that's where all these people. Everybody's an expert on Ukraine history and policy, and right, everybody becomes expert on everything. Well, I acknowledge that I don't know what what all the prosecutors have. 
And I don't know what Trump's legal defense is going to be. And I have obvious questions, I think most Americans of good faith would have, about a double standard of justice. And we've got audio that was at uh, the Senate hearing on this uh, surveillance section of the law, 702, I think it is. And uh, I was watching some of those, uh, some of the interrogation of these FBI officials. And this topic came up, the weaponization of uh, our agencies. We'll get into that um, in the next hour. But for now, there is there is an argument that I have heard about the other people who had records that they weren't supposed to have, and they haven't been charged, they didn't get raided and all of that. Now, on the one hand, like, I understand that some of these people that had the records should never have had the records in the first place. Like, if you know, Vice President Biden, when he was a senator, he didn't have the authority to take these documents out of the skiffs, out of the secure locations. He he didn't he he didn't have declassification authority. So it, it, that's a pretty bright line. But the the difference is, all of those other people returned the documents either when asked or when they found them, and then they went and gave them back. And that seems to be the difference. And I hear people denying that that is a relevant point. But it, I think it actually is because they didn't charge Trump, in this case, the indictment. They didn't charge him with the illegal possession of the documents that he gave back. It was just the ones that he kept. So it seems like they did apply that same standard. Now, I would submit that that is in and of itself a double standard, right? When... When presidents or vice presidents like Pence or former senators at the time when he was, you know, Joe Biden, that Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, that they didn't have declassification authority and their possession of the documents to me should be treated as if it was some guy on a submarine that took a picture. And in the background, it showed something and then he gets court-martialed over it. How come... How come he gets that hammer dropped on him, right? So to me, that's the, that's the different standards because I honestly believe that had Trump turned over everything that they later raided and found, if, they, like if, if he had turned it all over when they asked for it and then demanded it and they were going through the negotiations and all that, if he had given it all back, I'm pretty confident they would not have charged him. I mean, that's just speculation on my part. I don't know that to be true, but on the other hand, if if you disagree, you don't know that to be true either, right? So we're just making guesses, but my guess is based on this standard that if you give it all back and you just happen to be a member of, you know, the ruling class, the, the elites, right? If you give it all back, no harm, no foul. They're okay with you then. But if you're not a member of that class and you're, you know, some rank and file guy who takes it inadvertently, mistakenly or not, they're going to throw the book at you. So to me, that's the double standard. He didn't get charged with the possession of more than 197 documents that he did give back voluntarily. And so it seems like the standard is, again, if you're a member of the ruling class, you give it back when asked. And then you get no rap sheet.
Trump is facing charges, according to Walter Olson, writing at Cato.org. He says Trump is facing charges because he chose to lie to the feds and hide documents. Once again, this is assuming that the indictment is true. And I recognize that's a big assumption for a lot of people to make at this point, given the behavior of the federal agencies with regards to Trump. He goes on to say a substantial portion of the indictment lays out the reasons to think that lying to federal law enforcers and hiding documents was Trump's purposeful course of action. It was not the result of some sort of carelessness or inattention. Right. That comes through in the indictment as well. That's true. Again, that's in the indictment. I don't know if it's true. But that's what's in the indictment. That this was not like, oh, whoops, I took all this stuff. He was going through the boxes. I mean, he had dozens of boxes. He had, yeah, I mean, like at one point they were, they were moving like 60-something of them into one room. And according to the lawyers, again, these are lawyers that were trying to help Donald Trump. They were, they were trying to fix it for him. And he wanted them to do stuff. To lie to he made the plucking motion that's in the indictment where one of the lawyers says that he's like oh can't we just you know and he makes the little like a like a finger plucking motion like to yeah take a document out can't we just take that out just don't tell them we have it now there is also this argument about espionage act versus presidential records act and not a lawyer full disclosure i'm no lawyer I listened to Mark Levin last night. He was going over this stuff, and he he's of the opinion that the Presidential Records Act is what controls here, not the Espionage Act. What Walter Olson says is that the Presidential Records Act, um, in brief, says presidents are legally required to turn over all documents relating to their work in office, whether or not related to national security, the obligation attaches at the time their term ends. There isn't any sort of further negotiation period. Um, and Andrew McCarthy agrees with him on that. Ed Whelan uh, agrees with him on that. These are you know conservative former U.S. attorneys and such. And Levin last night on the on his program he noted that McCarthy is on is on uh, the opposite side of this argument. Trump himself has not consistently sought to hold with a theory embraced by some of his followers that a president can declassify documents just by thinking about it or just you know deeming it to be so. Trump himself on the audio recording talks about that. He talks about like, oh, I didn't get this declassified. So he knew there was a process. He had done the process before on some other things. So they're going to try to and he has some I mean, there are defenses that he can make. I'll go over that uh, as well. There are some defenses he can make, and there is a, to the point of the Presidential Records Act, there's a piece at the Wall Street Journal by Michael Bekesha, Bekesha, who is a senior attorney at Judicial Watch, and he makes a very compelling argument here that the government should lose this case because of prior rulings. I'll explain in a moment. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, 
radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Let's get John on the program. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Pete. Yeah. Listen, how do we know that they didn't ask Biden and Pence for those documents back? I mean, we, given everything that's going on these days, we have to accept the credibility that they didn't, but accept the coincidence that right after Trump was raided, both Pence and Biden just happened to find these documents. So it doesn't square. Either NARA knew but didn't submit that to DOJ for help in those cases to get them back, or we have to accept the premise that NARA lost track of those documents and the DOJ decided that it was still fair in the Trump case to go after him, even though NARA decided to submit that to DOJ for prosecution, but didn't have the the means or the follow-up to submit the Biden and the Pence case at that time. If they were on Trump within 90 days after these documents, where were they for the past eight years on Biden for his lost documents? You still can't get around the selective prosecution aspect of this case with Trump. It just doesn't make sense. Well, sure. Well, no, I think the, 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 accept the fact that they wanted to go after him. Well, I have no doubt that there are people that wanted to go after him. But the 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 proof would be that uh, they did not charge him with the documents that he gave back. So let's assume that your premise was uh, is correct, right? That they that uh, people were first off that they were aware that Biden and Pence and who was the other like Pompeo, I think, had some. Right. Didn't he come out with some like there were all these people like all of a sudden everybody had classified documents, apparently. Right. And, and they were all turning them back in, which there is sort of a woodwork effect that that does take hold in these circumstances where, you know, you're you're like, oh, my boss just got popped for this. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm not going to get popped. Do I have any of this stuff? And, oh, lo and behold, I do. Here, let me give it back. So he didn't get charged. Trump didn't get charged with, the you know, 200 documents that he did return. So it, it seems to me like the standard is that if you give it back, then they let you skate for taking it but in the first I'm place. Is, what I'm saying is how do we know that they didn't ask for those documents back at the time when those individuals left office? And they didn't give them back. No, we yeah, we that. no, we, yeah, we don't know that. But they it, didn't charge them because they didn't give them back because they could have asked for them, and we don't know that they didn't give them back. They no, that's true. And yeah, that, no, that's true. And and they could have, you know, they, they could have, uh, I don't know, dropped off gold bars in, in at their homes too. We don't know that either. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, if we're like, it's what you're constructing there is a complete hypothetical based on no information or evidence, right? Well, I mean, the whole thing is hypothetical. All we know is that they've created a negative in this case. We're going after Trump when we have to speculate over the rest of it. But it just seems like if you look at everything that goes back to the Trump presidency and even up to this date, there's so many potential equal dispositions of the law that they didn't pursue. It only goes after Trump. And it's, it's, it's a paper trail that they create. It's like managing out whatever uh, legal disposition they want, they can just parallel construction anything that they choose because they have everything. 
Look, I don't deny. I I don't deny the the, the you know show me the man, I'll I'll show you the crime uh, aspects of of this case or all of the other accusations against Trump. Obviously, this is this is the dilemma that we are now all faced with, and part of the problem is of Trump's own making. Um, in that, if he behave, you know, he behaves in in a certain way, and he speaks in a certain way, and it allows him to be open for these kinds of you know attacks and. That's the problem. That's the dilemma. So I just try to look at what the evidence that does exist. I can't prove a negative. I can't. I can't say, oh well, I you know I know or don't know that a conversation has been had a decade ago with Joe Biden from NARA. You know, like that they were arguing over this and they just let him skate on it. There's no proof of that. There's no evidence of that. Nobody has said anything. So uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what to do with that hypothetical. We do have paper trails and conversations, particularly from Trump's own lawyers. That's pretty damning. Let's speak with Roger now. Hey, Roger, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing today? I enjoy your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, for, for me, I'm just a simple working man, and I try to put stuff in, in, in simple things that I can understand. Same. And my thing is, let's just say you have two men. One man goes and robs one bank. One man goes and robs another bank. Both of them get caught. One man has spent his money. The other man gives his money back. They're both still guilty of robbing a bank. True. So, I mean, that's as simple as you can get it right there. Right. So what happens then at sentencing? Well, the the man that give the money back, he might give get a lighter sentence, mm-hmm. but he still is guilty of robbing a bank, and that'll be on his record um, for a long time. Right. No, I agree with you. <clears throat> I think that in the sentencing phase, the the behavior when caught matters to some degree. Right. It doesn't matter that uh, whether determining guilt or innocence, and this is why. Like, if they're not going to enforce these laws against presidents and senators and, and you know, officials of a certain status and above, then they need to codify that and spell it out that they are above this law, that the law doesn't apply to them. And uh, and then we can all be outraged that they're carving out exemptions for themselves, because they are. Agreed. Yeah. Roger, appreciate the call, man. Um, no, I mean, that, all right, yep, it's a it's a simple way to look at it, but it is, I think, the correct way to look at it. Anybody that is, oh, by the way, happy birthday to the U.S. Army. Um, anybody with, you know, clearances in the Army that sees documents, right, they have to see them in certain settings, and they constantly get told, you know, don't take pictures of this stuff, don't take any of this stuff. I mean, you could be thrown in jail for it. And I don't understand why this is such a difficult thing for presidents, especially, or any of these people. Like, why are they taking the documents? Why are you taking any of this stuff? Why do you need this in your, quote, personal papers? Well, you just, oh, I'm hanging out. We get these classified briefings, and we just kind of scoop it all up and folded it in. Oh, I just, oh, I'm sorry. I took the handout with me. Uh, my bad. Here's your here's your World War Three plan. Sorry. Yeah, take it back. How do you... I, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss to understand how these documents end up in your possession <clears throat> and then you just forget about them or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I do, I do, I do think you get, you get treated differently if you give them back. 
And I'm not sure that this case is um, because I'm not a lawyer and I I don't make these predictions. uh, I don't know how strong this case is. It looks pretty strong. But then again, there's a lot of other laws that might actually control in this situation. For example, there's a fellow by the name of uh, Michael Bekesha. He is the senior attorney at Judicial Watch. He says the indictment does not cite the Presidential Records Act. The, um, the indictment came about only because the government thought Trump took records that didn't belong to him, and the government raided his house to find those records, right? He says this should never have happened. The Presidential Records Act allows the president to decide what records to return and what records to keep at the end of his presidency. And the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, can't do anything about it. I know because I'm the lawyer who lost the Clinton sock drawer case. In 2009, a historian named Taylor Branch published The Clinton Tapes, Wrestling History with the President. It was a book, and the book was based on recordings of Mr. Branch's meetings with Bill Clinton. These meetings totaled 79, and they went from 1993 through 2001, so almost a decade, right? The White House made these recordings. The White House did. The National Archives and Records Administration was never given these recordings, but they were made at taxpayer expense by taxpayer-funded employees, right? They took place, these meetings took place in the Oval Office. So it was on premises. So everything about the creation of these recordings would indicate to me, I'm no lawyer though, but it indicates to me, right, this is very similar to the creation of a document, right? They're recordings, but same thing. So NARA never got the recordings. And Mr. Branch, the way he tells it, Clinton hid the recordings in his sock drawer in order to keep them away from the public. And then he got to take them with him when he left office. That was the point. He put them in with his, with his clothing in his sock drawer. I'm just, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to assume it was just socks in there. I'm leaving it alone. Okay. My organization, Judicial Watch, sent a Freedom of Information Act request to NARA for the audio tapes, and the agency said that the tapes were Mr. Clinton's personal records and therefore not subject to the Presidential Records Act or Freedom of Information Act. Right? So here, Judicial Watch goes to NARA, and NARA's like, no, that those are his personal documents that they're his so judicial watch sues in federal court and they asked the judge to declare the audio tapes to be presidential records and because they weren't currently in nara's possession compel the government to go get them the justice department argues nara does not have a duty to engage in a never-ending search for potential presidential records ah they don't have a duty to engage but can they I guess they can. We are learning right now, right? But they don't have a duty to go find every single document that they didn't get by uh, from the president at the end of the president's term. Nor 
does the Presidential Records Act, according to the Justice Department at the time, nor does the PRA require NARA to appropriate potential presidential records forcibly. The 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 uh, government's position was that Congress had decided that the president and the president alone decides what is a presidential record and what isn't. He may take with him whatever records he chooses at the end of his term. Again, this is from the guy who lost this case. He was making the argument that it is it, it, these are records. NARA should have them. And he lost to the DOJ. So what of this precedent? All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Got an email from Joseph. He says, Pete, classified documents are the primary source for most establishment news outlets. Talking about them like they're like they're a sacred relic is nonsense. It doesn't matter, though. They were going to charge him with something just to go after him. He's the target, not what he did. These charges, whether in New York City or Miami or Fulton County, are being done not because Trump is an existential threat. He's essentially a boob like Biden, except way funnier. It's the movement that he represents. They can't indict all of his voters yet. So it's the next best thing. I believe that I believe there is truth in that, Joseph. Yep. Um, back to this piece. It's at uh, the Wall Street Journal and it's by an attorney with Judicial Watch. His name is Michael. Michael. Yeah. Michael Bekesha. And he's the guy who sued NARA in order to get them to get Bill Clinton's sock drawer tapes. And NARA was defended by the U.S. Justice Department. And they made the argument in court that NARA is not responsible, it doesn't have a duty to go on a never-ending search for potential presidential records. If the president doesn't hand them over, NARA is under no obligation to go seek them out, and they don't have any authority to get them forcibly. The government's position was Congress decided the president alone decides what is a presidential record and what is not. He can take with him whatever records he chooses at the end of his term. Now, if that's what the Presidential Records Act does, and if that's been the court's interpretation of what the law uh, does and does not call for, then I'm not so sure the DOJ has got a good case here. Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled in this case against Judicial Watch. Quote, since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal of presidential records during his time in office, it would be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considers to be 
his personal records. The PRA, Presidential Records Act, contains no provision obligating or even permitting the archivist to assume control over records that the president categorized and filed separately as personal records. At the conclusion of the president's term, the archivist only assumes responsibility for the presidential records. The PRA does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, the responsibility is left solely to the president. That was what the judge said when it was a Clinton. That's what the judge said. And Judicial Watch lost because Judge Jackson concluded that the government's hands were tied. Bill Clinton took the tapes. Nobody could do anything about it. So now the question is, why the Espionage Act? I guess they knew they couldn't go after him under the PRA, right? But that's going to be, I'm assuming, that's going to be his defense, was that these were all my personal documents. I, I, I declared them to be as such. I put them in these boxes. We moved them all out. I wanted them. I'm allowed to. And you've heard Trump now starting to use that term, presidential records, right? He's using that term. He's using the name of the act. So it, to me, that's the, that's the tell. That's where he's going to go with it. Uh, Bekesha says that uh, uh, Trump had gathered newspapers, press clippings, all these other things. And yes, apparently like battle plans and such, these documents, nuclear secrets and such. But as of noon, January 20th, 2021, whatever remained at the White House, right, was presidential records. Whatever was taken by Trump was not. That's the position of the Justice Department in 2010. And that was the ruling by Judge Jackson in 2012. So th- that matter's already been decided. He, They were his records. They were his. He boxed them up. He took them back to his house. And they're his. It's a compelling argument. And I guess that's why they went Espionage Act violation. Well, that and probably because it carries the, uh, the long prison terms and they want to see him dead in jail. Don't underestimate that component here either.